You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check out my Patreon. And take a look at my other YouTube channels too. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything I release. All links are in the description. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Vivek Ramaswamy being sued by Eminem for using his music on the campaign trail. I love everything about it. And apparently Harvard graduate and active lawyer Ben Shapiro decided to pretend he knows literally nothing about intellectual property law. Even as a YouTuber, that's far-fetched, let alone his Ivy League status. Trump's co-defendants in the Georgia RICO case are not reacting well to their situation. Even Donald Trump Jr. is losing it. This is kind of entertaining. Famous far-right radio host Stu Peters saying some deeply concerning stuff about people on the left at a recent conference. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. You can also send me an email by going to my website, owenmorgan.com, clicking the Contact Me button in the menu, and uh, sending a message. This is Greg Locke, if you're unfamiliar. He's a megachurch pastor, a hate preacher, televangelist, and he is destroying a Barbie dream house. This is him doing it in reverse, rebuilding a Barbie dream house, I suppose, with a Bible bat. He taped a bunch of Bibles to a baseball bat and destroyed the the Barbie dream house with it, for real. Well, I got a voicemail about this video. I just wanted to give this a listen, see what, uh, what they had to say here. So check this out. Hey, Owen, this is Andrew from Saskatchewan, Canada, calling in. Um, I just watched your video about where Greg Locke um, destroyed a Barbie funhouse. Yeah, this is uh, this is the video of him destroying it right here. This is him talking about the Bible bat. So maybe at our Global Vision store, we ought to start selling some Bible bats in the name of Jesus. Seriously, is this not like as blasphemous as it gets? He taped Bibles to a baseball bat and beat a Barbie funhouse down. Like, how messed up is that, for real? The stronghold comes down when you demolish it with the Bible! You gotta start tearing that mess up! Anyway, yeah, that happened in June, I think, 2023, roughly. So, yeah, that's what the voicemail is about. Let's keep listening here. And I just want to talk about it. It kind of makes me a bit sad because there's some kid out there somewhere. Just imagine, like, they wanted it, right? Like, they want to play with the party funhouse and shit like that really, really bad, right? But... Yeah, those uh, Barbie fun houses or dream houses... I keep asking my wife to correct me because she was apparently into Barbies at one point. And she keeps telling me what the correct name is, and I keep forgetting. I think it's Dreamhouse. Anyway, Barbie Dreamhouse is like 200 bucks. That is a lot of money. Especially to drop all at once on a kid. That's like a clothing budget for a year for some people. And, you know, you're dropping this much money out of nowhere for nothing. Like, that's crazy. Just to destroy the thing. That was Greg Locke's goal. But we have Greg Locke, a millionaire pastor. A billionaire, if if I'm willing to go that far. I think he's probably just a millionaire. And I'd say low millions. I would say 
between one and twenty million dollars is what he's worth. That's my guess, but I don't know for sure. It's really hard to tell. I know Google says he's worth a hundred and twenty something million. I, I'm not sure I fully believe that, but yeah, that's my take. Like destroying the out of the house, Barbie Fun House, just for what? For for what? Because he wanted to make a point. Because he can take two hundred dollars and burn it up like that, and it means nothing to him. That's why. I should tell you something about Greg Locke, right? I should tell you something about how he values money, about his view of money. I don't have it. Re- I don't know the reason behind it or the rationale behind it, but it just makes me sad that that a kid won't. I don't know, man. I'm just kind of messed up about it. Anyway, thanks for for what you're doing. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, I appreciate the voicemail. You can't let this stuff mess you up. It's important, okay? Sometimes I have to cover hard stories. Sometimes I have to cover dark stuff that's not fun to talk about at all. Like, I just recently talked about a Stu Peters video where I showed the guy endorsing the death penalty for trans people, for gay people, for Tony Fauci, for just everybody under the sun that's to the left of hunting the homeless for sport. It was absolutely horrific. But you cannot let this stuff get you down. You have to understand something. It is sad that there's a kid out there who isn't going to get a Barbie dream house. And Greg Locke takes a bat and destroys one in front of everybody. It was a demonstration. It was an attention grabber. He was trying to draw eyeballs in. The more ire he can rev up, the more anger he can fuel in people, the richer he gets, the more attention he gets. And that's what he wants. Don't let these people get what they want out of you, which is fury don't let them have it that goes for greg Locke. that goes for Stu peters that goes for rick scarborough or any number of other people out there that i have to talk about from time to time who are absolutely psychotic most of the time i try to cover funny stuff like this past week i talked about julie green getting prophecy after prophecy wrong every time and then continuing to prophesy literally claiming that God was speaking through her and God says Trump will not be indicted in March of 2023. And then he's indicted. And she says in August of 2023, after he was already indicted four times, uh, I mean, he was indicted, but he's going to get out of these indictments. So you just wait and see. Apparently that's how God talks. I I try to keep it funny. Sometimes you got to cover the hard stuff. And when you do... Don't let it get to you, man. Don't don't let it get to you, okay? Anyway, thank you for the voicemail. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, Greg Locke is a scumbag. I, I, I don't say that as an insult. I don't intend it as one. I'm not trying to insult the guy. That's just like his persona. That's what he put together. That's his public face. He wants to be viewed as a douchebag, as a scumbag, you know? Hey, I'm from Oklahoma. I don't feel comfortable saying what my name is, but I watched your video where you said that Baptists and, like, the Baptists and Southern Baptists are a cult. 
let me just clarify. I don't remember saying that. Baptists and Southern Baptists are are a cult. I feel like I would be a little bit more specific than that usually. I don't remember saying that, but I I have talked about the IFB, the Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church, and I've talked about the NIFB, the New Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church, and they're extremists also. Very, very extreme. And I would say Southern Baptists are about as extreme as it gets outside of full-blown cults. I think that's fair to say. There are some Baptists out there that aren't terribly extreme, but okay. And that's absolutely not true. I hope you make a video on this because it, it ain't true that they're a cult. Okay. Well, I appreciate the criticism. I am always open to being wrong about ab absolutely anything. I don't actually remember saying that at all. I'm not, I don't feel that way either, really. And I would like to hear some rationalizations and justifications for your position if you feel that they're not. Instead of simply saying they're not, give me something. Tell me why. Tell me what your thoughts are. I, I am open to being persuaded about absolutely anything. Again, I, I, I don't even really hold that position. But, you know, when you call in to change somebody's mind, you should usually try to change their mind. That, that's part of the process usually but okay anyway thank you so much for the voicemail i appreciate it i will take positive ones or negative ones don't forget to call in 1-800-701-8573 floofy furlog dog hi really appreciate your content question there was a scientology table at my university last week is there any way to get them off of campus you could go sp if you want, become suppressive person. Start asking some t tough questions that they don't want to hear. You could go the route that um, I've been thinking about going with Jehovah's Witnesses. Anywhere, anytime I see a Jehovah's Witness cart like they have, you know, the little stands that they have the carts with the books and everything in it. Anytime I see where they've found a spot they like to set up. I haven't actually done this yet. I've intended to. I want to print off these stickers or order these stickers and slap a sticker on the wall behind where they usually stand. And there are a variety of different stickers that you can get. I'll insert the uh, stickers later so you can see what they look like. But it's stuff that says like Jehovah's Witnesses are the largest, the world's largest doomsday cult. Are you Jehovah's Witness and things just don't make sense? That kind of thing, you know, adversarial things to their position. And the thing about cults. Cult members do not like hearing it. They don't, they, they insulate themselves, they encapsulate themselves so that they don't have to deal with it. They don't have to think about it. If they think about it, it's a risk because they might come out of this delusion that's been pushed on them by the leadership. So becoming a suppressive person or an SP as they call it and asking them tough questions and making them a little bit uncomfortable by... Just not pushing boundaries, not being rude. Don't be rude. Bad idea. Just ask questions. Ask questions that they, they don't want to answer or even hear. Maybe put up some signs around campus about how Scientology is harmful. That could be helpful. Good luck with that. 
You know, you never show your play buttons, unlike other YouTubers. Just an observation. Yeah, um, well, I have, like, a green screen. So you guys can kind of see what's behind me. I have a big rolling green screen, basically. It's just... Yeah, it's just like... I, I, this chair here, this this leather chair, I'm about to take this out to the trash. And I have a little arcade machine, a little one-up cab behind me. This is my air conditioner right here. Wait, right. Hang on. Right there. That's my air conditioner. And uh, right here is my couch, as you can see. And right here is my pillow. And right here is my quilt. And right here is my coffee table full of shit. If I wanted to display my play button, I would have to stop using a green screen and kind of reorganize everything. And I just, I don't have the space for it. And I like the green screen. So, yeah. Um, I do have it over there, though. It's actually, it's between, like, my shelves. It's above my TV, between my shelves. And it's next to the letter from Susan Wojcicki that it came with. And it's also next to, or it's it's next to, like, the newspaper article. Let me just take a quick picture so you guys can see. Hang on. There you go. There's a picture of my TV from my couch. So if you're sitting right there, then this picture is what you see right here. That's kind of how my living room is set up, basically. So anyways, that's part of my collection that I have that I've been collecting for many years. And there's my play button right in the middle. And that little Zelda chest there, I 3D printed it and spray painted it and everything. The eyes glow in the dark. I use glow in the dark filament. I'm pretty proud of it. I am proud of the play button and I think it's really neat, but there's no feasible way to do it. So, yeah. Chat is asking about the Smurf story in JW's tell them lol. <laughs> um, okay, well, there's this story that every Jehovah's Witness has heard who was born in the the between the 60s and the 90s I guess and even in the 2000s and even some Jehovah's Witnesses that are young now have heard the story there's a story that varies from person to person about a Smurf now Jehovah's Witnesses went to great lengths to demonize Smurfs they wanted to make sure everybody hated them so they kind of allowed this urban legend to spread through the ranks the claim changes from person to person, but the story that I heard when I was little, I believe, is that there was a Smurf doll in somebody's meeting bag, and they went to the Kingdom Hall, and they were, you know, reading the Bible or whatever, and the Smurf doll was possessed by Satan, stood up out of the purse, climbed out, walked down the aisle, and left the Kingdom Hall swearing the whole way because God's light was too bright for it basically implying that smurfs are satanic I mean, that's the position or that was a position of the watchtower society for many years i don't know if they take a position on it now or not but there are different versions of the story in some versions a smurf jumped off of a page in a book or whatever the variation either way it's all completely made up and uh i have no clue how an urban legend like that could have possibly spread through Jehovah's Witness culture like that so thoroughly. Like, almost every Jehovah's ex-Jehovah's Witness I know has heard the Smurf story. It's bizarre.
Anyway, let me know what you think about the Smurf story, and I'll tell you what. Tell me an urban legend from your group that was popular, and I'll, I'll check the comments. For real. Leave comments about urban legends that were unique to your group that you were a member of, and I'll take a look through. Next, we're going to talk about Vivek Ramaswamy being sued by Eminem for using his music on the campaign trail. I love everything about it. And apparently, Harvard graduate and active lawyer Ben Shapiro decided to pretend he knows literally nothing about intellectual property law, even as a YouTuber that's far-fetched, let alone his Ivy League status. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon, and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. Eminem wrote to BMI and was like, I don't want that terrible man using my music. So this is Ben Shapiro. I'm sure most of you probably know that he's like the owner or CEO, president or something of the Daily Wire, far-right conservative outlet. And he talked about the fact that Vivek Ramaswamy, I'm sorry, his name's pronounced Vivek. Uh, he talked about the fact that Vivek Ramaswamy is being sued by Eminem right now because Vivek Ramaswamy apparently decided to rap to Eminem on the campaign trail. Now, as a, an Eminem fan myself, Stan even, I know just about all of his music. I know a ton of the words. I can do some of the quickest raps. I mean, it's about the biggest Eminem fan you're going to find right here. I'm a huge fan of Eminem. So uh, mad respect to Vivek for actually knowing the words. I listened to this, the thing that got him sued, and he knew the words, knew all of them and, and sang along. That, that's pretty impressive. So anyway, I wanted to talk about this whole lawsuit thing and what's going on right now with Vivek Ramaswamy being sued by Eminem. What the hell is happening? So check this out. August 29th, 2023, Ben Shapiro decides to address the issue as a lawyer, right, on the Daily Wire, on his uh, network or whatever. Who better to address this than a lawyer? Okay, Take, just give this a listen. See what he has to say about the situation. By the way, uh, one more thing you should know about uh, Ben Shapiro. He does not like Donald Trump, and he's looking for any opportunity available to him to jump ship. He's supporting any candidate he possibly can because he cannot stand Trump. Okay, check this out. Stupidest story of the day from the campaign trail. Eminem is apparently very angry at Vivek Ramaswamy. Why? Well, because Vivek, as you recall, he's at the Iowa caucuses, and he, um, and he rapped his tune on the campaign trail. No, that's not what he did. He played Eminem's music directly. Yes, he was rapping along with it. Oh, and it wasn't the tune that he was rapping. It was the actual lyrics that he was rapping. These distinctions are extremely important when dealing with copyright law, okay? And by the way, that's something that Ben Shapiro should know a lot about, being a content creator himself, let alone the fact that he's a Harvard-educated, Ivy League lawyer, practicing lawyer, let alone the fact that he's a Harvard-educated, Ivy League lawyer, practicing lawyer. And on top of all of that, if, as if that wasn't enough, 
You know, there are an, a billion different areas of law you can get into, but there are three main categories that people usually choose. And by the time you enter law school, you usually know which one you want to do. You can do big law, you can do public interest, or you can do criminal law. There's a lot of money in big law. I'm talking like you want to be a lawyer for Disney, you want to be a lawyer for uh, some big firm, Lionsgate or whatever. You want to be the corporate lawyer for some company. A lot of money there. A lot of money. We're talking $600,000 a year kind of money. Hell, mil- $1.2 million a year. This is like Manhattan money that we're talking, right? But it chews you up and spits you out. It's a miserable life, basically. It's a miserable experience to be in big law from what I have been told. When you're in something like big law, you deal a lot with like intellectual property laws because, you know, for example, as like a Disney lawyer in big law, you're going to do things like, and I'm not joking about this, I'm dead serious, sue to prevent a woman from putting a sp- an engraving of Spider-Man on her dead son's tombstone. So big law lawyers know a lot about intellectual property. A lot. It's like the whole bit. Now, for the record, public interest is the other one I didn't mention. I'm sure I don't need to touch on what criminal law is. You know, you can be a prosecutor, defense attorney, or whatever else, but public interest is the other one I, I haven't mentioned really much about. That is basically working for a nonprofit organization. The ACLU, the Electronic Frontier Foundation... Uh, Hell, on the right, you've got Liberty Council and the John Birch Society and various different things like that. If you work within public interest, you can expect to probably be broke as You're not going to make much money in public interest, almost none. In all fairness, you might make between sixty dollars and $100,000 a year, and you have to pay $5,000 a month on student loans. So you're making the equivalent of $25,000 a year to 35000 a year, roughly, if you're in public interest. But people tend to love that work. They tend to love that job. And that's what I think is really important, loving your job. So anyway, just give you a little bit of context for what Ben Shapiro got into. He got into blood-sucking big law. He went to Harvard University to learn to be one of those lawyers that would do things like sue a mother to prevent her from putting an engraving of Spider-Man on her dead son's tombstone. That's the type of thing that Ben Shapiro intended to do when he came out of law school, that, that field of work. He knows everything there is to know about intellectual property law, I'd be willing to bet. And as a YouTuber myself, as a content creator, and as the husband of somebody who is in law school actively right now, I know pretty good bit about intellectual property law too so let's see where ben shapiro pretends to be a idiot and have no idea what he's talking about and let's watch where he drops the facade and shows who he really is check this out stupidest story of the day from the campaign trail eminem is apparently very angry at vivek ramaswamy why well because vivek as you recall he's at the iowa caucuses and he um and he wrapped his tune on the campaign trail there's a lot of like Vivek is no, he actually played the song. He didn't just rap the tune. You see how he's reframing this, pretending to be an idiot and not know the difference, like he's some layman. 
like he's he has no clue like oh what's the difference you know between just playing the song and rapping the song there's no difference intellectual property law he knows he knows what he's talking about he's pretend this is idiot mode for ben shapiro he's pretending to be a moron here there's a lot of like vivek is is millennial i believe uh just technically speaking but this is real boomer energy because Eminem's Lose Yourself, I believe, came out in 2002. So this is a 21-year-old song. Well, it was from the soundtrack of 8 Mile, the movie 8 Mile, that starred Eminem. And, yeah, it's an older song, sure, I suppose. But it's in a style that's still extremely popular today. I mean, there are songs from the 90s, the mid-90s, that still hold up really, really well if, it's, if they're in a certain style. Like, Tupac rapped in the 90s, and he some of his music is still absolutely spot on and something i would expect to hear on the radio today anyways um eminem has a very you know similar style now to what he used to 21 years ago and also holy shit, dude some of his music is absolutely on point and there are some real eminem stands out there people you don't even realize are eminem stands like this guy right here so i don't want to hear it ben which, you know, honestly, is the equivalent at this point of, of singing a Doobie Brothers song. Uh, Not really. Uh, I mean, it's still an extremely popular style, and Eminem is still an active artist that's releasing music, so it's not the same. Just because you don't like Eminem doesn't mean nobody likes Eminem. And by the way, Eminem was the best-selling rap artist of all time for I don't even know how long. Is he still? I'm not sure. I'm not one to defend another man's reputation, but it's hard to beat Eminem. I think, did the Beebs beat Eminem? I'm not sure. I think the Beebs may be the only person to have ever beaten Eminem in, like, album sales. Oh, look right there. Which rapper has the most album sales? Eminem, okay? Now let's just see which song artist or which band. Let's just say which band. The Beatles is the top of the list, apparently. 183 million units certified sales. So 183 million units... Well, that's weird. Eminem has sold 227.5 million certified albums and singles in the U.S., but the Beatles sold 183 million units, but they're considered the top-selling artists? I'm not sure how that works exactly, but anyway. Em there's basically nobody better in the rap game than Eminem. Nobody. So anyway, yeah, go ahead. Uh, talk about boomer energy over here. The equivalent at this point of, of singing a Doobie Brothers song. Uh, and uh, and here is uh, here is Vivek on the campaign trail. Oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. I'm I'm convinced Eminem is gay. I'm convinced of it. If you wonder why, just type in YouTube Eminem the interview gay. Just type those four words in YouTube and you'll find out. But do it after watching this video. Look at all the people. So this is important to note. Not only is he rapping the song, if he's just rapping it, that would be fine because it's his own take on something. It's like a, a you could call it like a parody, right? And that's protected under fair use, but that's not what's happening. You can hear the music playing in the background right now. Now I'm adding commentary to it and that's protected under fair use. So I'm allowed to talk about what is happening here for that reason. But Vivek... He's just straight up playing Eminem's song and rapping to it. Like, you can't do that. Intellectual property laws exist for a reason. 
opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's joking how everybody's joking. Look at all the people in Iowa, like, what is happening? Time's up, over, plow, snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. He's so mad, but he won't. One thing you have to say from Vegas. Dude, I love that. This is a fantastic song. Again, it's from a movie, Eight Mile. It was a uh, kind of about Eminem's life, but it was you know there was some. Um, it I think the movie Eight Mile was more intended to capture the feelings that he was processing more than actually tell the real story of his real life because it, it was not actually accurate to his real life. But anyways, it was definitely capturing what he felt in certain moments. And at this moment, when this song was officially unveiled in the movie, he was telling a story about how he was in the underground rap scene and he was trying to break through and be somebody important, you know, trying to show people that he was capable of doing something amazing. And he was so nervous, he knew that if if he lost this rap battle... He was going to go back to a house. This is real. Okay, I'm telling a real story that really did happen right now. He's going to go back to a house that he had broken into with no electricity, an abandoned house, and sleep on the floor because there was no furniture in there or anything. No, nothing. He was sleeping in abandoned homes because he had nowhere else to go. He had no money, no nothing. Nobody that cared about him. I can relate very, very much to Eminem's experience at the time. It's, anyway, it, it's important that, like, it's a link that not everybody can really understand. So anyways, Eminem was nervous. He was afraid he's going to choke and mess up the rap and fail and just end up back on the floor of this abandoned home. And you know what? In that situation that was being discussed there, that's what happened. He lost. He got second place in that contest and he went back to his abandoned home and fell asleep on the floor but dr dre had somebody out there watching these underground rap battles woman's name was wendy day this is real all this is a real story wendy day heard eminem and saw the talent in him called him up and got him to la or where i think it was la where Dre sat down with Eminem and they put some beats together and they did some hooks and all that other stuff and they wrote wrote an album, the Slim Shady LP, I believe, and it sold off the shelves like mad. It was the best decision Dr. Dre has ever made. Eminem got even bigger than Dre did himself. Anyways, that's what's being described in this song. It, it's a story of Eminem having nowhere to go and he's... He's about to lose everything, and he's afraid if he chokes, if he fails, he's going to end up on the floor of this abandoned home all over again. That's what's being told right now. That's what Vivek is rapping about. Now, Vivek, Vivek, I keep calling him Vivek, I apologize. Vivek has made disgusting amounts of money in his life and has no clue what that feels like. And in my opinion, has no right to rap about it either. But okay, you know what? Legally, he's allowed to rap it if he wants, but he can't play the, the beat without the artist's permission. He can't play the song without the artist's permission. People in Iowa like, what is happening? Time's up, over, plow, snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity, oh, there goes gravity. Choke, he's so mad, but he won't. One thing you have to say from Vic, at least he's having fun. So in the song he's saying, his name was Rabbit. He called himself Rabbit, or others called him Rabbit, his friends did or whatever. 
and he said he choked, but he's not going to give up that easy. He's going to keep going and keep fighting and keep doing it. It's the spirit, the drive, the fight that's in you when you have nothing left to lose. When you've got nothing, you will fight for everything. Does Vivek understand that drive? Does he even understand the words that are being spoken in that song? Yes, he knows them. Impressive. Do you have any idea what that actually means? And for that matter, does Ben Shapiro? Something tells me no. One thing you have to say for Vivek, at least he's having fun. And Kim Reynolds is standing there like, what is happening right now? She's standing on the corner of the stage. So right now in the song, if you're listening to the lyrics, he's saying he's he's failed and failed and failed, and he's gotten number two and number three and number four in these rap battles, and he, no one seems to be recognizing him, but he goes he goes back to his trailer park home, goes right back to the lab again to concoct a new song, to come up with something bigger and better. Dude used to read the dictionary to come up with words that he could rhyme. Okay, when I say Eminem is a good rapper, I don't mean he's popular. I mean the dude comes up with double and triple syllable rhymes. Like people say you can't rhyme anything with orange, but you can rhyme things with orange. The term door hinge rhymes with the word orange. That's two syllable rhyming. Door hinge orange. Eminem can do double, triple, and quadruple syllable rhyming. He can do uh I, I've you know, lots of examples of this on his albums of of double entendres, triple entendres. Like he is a seriously, like Eminem is saying he's the, the greatest of all time is an understatement when it comes to the rap game. Nobody better. And the words that Vivek is, is rapping right now, he has no idea what they even mean. He has no idea what this feels like. What is happening right now? She's standing on the corner of the stage. Back to the lab again. When I fail, it's back to the lab again. Is happening right now. She's standing on the corner of the stage like, I don't, like, why is this happening? Why is this a thing that's happening? You better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime, yo. Anyway, point is, fantastic song. Vivek has no idea what Eminem is even talking about in it, and it's kind of an embarrassment that he was singing it in the first place. Now let's listen to Ben Shapiro act like it, like the stupidest person alive, like he has no clue what intellectual property law is. Just lost. What is happening? That is That is so... Wow, the the levels of cringe are just astounding. Yeah, when you don't understand what Eminem's talking about, that makes sense that it seems cringy to you. Absolutely, that makes sense to me. Uh, I know this because I've done a few cringe things in my career. You may have noticed. I, I believe that in the cringe-off, Vivek wins, hands down. Ooh, I don't know. I think it's cringy for Vivek to be singing a song that he has absolutely no connection to and no way of understanding being worth hundreds of millions of dollars the way that he is. But I don't think there's much that can beat Ben Shapiro's cringiness. Sarah, I already gave the gun show. I can't give the gun show every five seconds. What do you want from me, Sarah? I can't give the gun show all day long. So who is it? Who's cringy? Ben, can you tell me who it was that was cringy? First gun show of 2022. All right, here we go. Get this out of the way. All right. Hold up. Pose, yeah, pose. 
pose, yeah, pose. Okay, I don't know what that song is or if it's copyrighted. The point is, Ben Shapiro is significantly more cringy than basically anybody on planet Earth, so. In any case, all of that's fine and all of this just stupid campaign tricks, that's, that's all fine. Eminem literally wrote a letter to Vivek Ramaswamy, threatening him with legal action. Right, it's so it's not actually a lawsuit. I guess that might be a little bit deceitful, the title and the uh, thumbnail. I apologize for that. It's a cease and desist letter, I believe, which is basically saying, don't do it again or I will take legal action. He sent a letter to Vivek's lawyer, quote, this letter serves as notice to you pursuant to BMI music license for political entities or organizations entered into by BMI and Vivek 2024, that BMI has received a communication from Marshall B. Mathers III. Okay, so BMI, let me just break this down. BMI is a company that licenses music to people to use, right? So BMI owns licenses to like Eminem and The Beebs and uh, I don't know, Rihanna and Jay-Z and Beyonce and so on and so forth. So that these individuals don't have to deal with it themselves directly. They just license these companies to use the music. And then these companies license the music out to others, right? That's how this system works. So BMI, Broadcast Music Inc., licensed Eminem's song, Lose Yourself. I always confuse it with Just Lose It. That's a different thing. They licensed the song Lose Yourself to Vivek. And Eminem saw it and didn't want to be affiliated with this campaign. Now, that makes sense to me, actually. Like, this is a totally rational move on Eminem's part. Not about partisanship, not about hating Vivek or any of that stuff. Okay, the village people right now are in a lawsuit with Donald Trump for, this, for a similar reason. Now, some of the village people like Donald Trump but they didn't want to take a political stand. And Donald Trump gave the impression that they did take a political stand when, I don't know the details of the case, so take this with a grain of salt, I think, if I, you know, look this up, don't believe me without question here, but I believe what happened was Donald Trump hired lookalikes to perform some of the village people's songs at a campaign event or at Mar-a-Lago. I'm not exactly sure. And the village people were getting calls like, why are you performing at Donald Trump's, you know, place or events or whatever? And the village people don't want to take a political stand. They want to be apolitical completely. They want everybody to enjoy their music. So they're in the middle of a lawsuit right now with Donald Trump to try to prevent him from doing that. That's, I mean, that's a perfectly rational thing to do, and that may be Eminem's reasoning behind sending this cease and desist letter. Maybe he doesn't want to be, you know, linked to a political campaign. Totally fair. Or maybe he just <laughs> hates Republicans. That's true, too. And he definitely does not like Donald Trump. Eminem, ...objecting to the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign's use of Eminem's musical compositions and requesting that BMI remove all Eminem works from the agreement. So Eminem works are excluded from an agreement. So apparently Vivek's team had an agreement with BMI to use some of their music. And Eminem wrote to BMI and was like, I don't want that terrible man using my music. Well, like I said, the village people did the same thing to Donald Trump. I mean, some people just don't want to be affiliated with political campaigns. It, it, it smears them. It gets them muddy. It makes them look bad. It makes sense that they wouldn't want to, like, appear to be endorsing anybody. It's not about 
Vivek bad or anything. And, and the bizarre thing about this is I'm not a lawyer. I'm a nobody, okay? I have a two-year degree from a community college. I'm not some big, smart guy. I'm just a dude going through life who's picked some things up along the way. Harvard-educated Ivy League graduate Ben Shapiro doesn't seem to be able to get this concept through his thick skull. He's in moron mode right now. He's pretending to be a moron when we know he's not. You're right. Only only people who shoot each other and do drugs should be able to use Eminem music from now on. Uh, I, was that a slam against the black community? Is that is that where we are now, Ben? I guess that's where Ben ended up with that. Wow, that was a hilarious joke. Oh my god. You're right. Only only people who shoot each other and do drugs should be able to use Eminem music from now on. I'm just like I, I'm. It's so tiresome. Honestly, all these music. What's tiresome? This is your field. There's nothing tiresome about this is like what you live for, isn't it, Ben? Isn't this like your whole thing? Didn't you spend your entire life working up to deal with problems like this? There's nothing tiresome about this for Ben. Again, he's in moron mode, pretending to be the stupidest person alive when we know damn well he's not. I'm just like, I'm. It's so tiresome. Honestly, all these music. I am above. All, what is Eminem above exactly? Above politics. Again, the village people did the same thing. They don't want to be involved in politics. That is fair. You know, if an artist doesn't want their work used by some political campaign, that's fair. They don't have to license it to anybody. Find something else to play and rap to if you want. Seriously, how do you not get this, Ben? He's in idiot mode. I am above all, what is Eminem above exactly? Uh, seriously, what like what is Eminem's personal history? They're like, this man, this is a man of moral rectitude whose music, for God's sake, we use Bach in like, in like Cheez-It commercials. Do you know what I find fascinating about this? Ben Shapiro, this is the tell that he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's talking about here. You know why he picked Bach? Because I believe, again, I'm just some guy, so you need to look this up. Don't trust, don't don't take my word for it. Look everything up that I say, and don't repeat it unless you've done that. But I believe intellectual property remains with basically the estate of the artist until 70 years after the artist's death, at which point it enters the public domain. So Huckleberry Finn was written by, who wrote that? Yeah, okay, Huckleberry Finn was written in 1884, and it was written by Mark Twain. Wow, I don't know how I didn't know that. Huckleberry Finn was written in 1884, written by Mark Twain, right? Mark Twain, a.k.a. Samuel Clemens, I believe was his real name. He died in 1910. That means in 1980, 70 years after the artist's death, his works entered the public domain. I believe that's the case. Let me just double check that. Uh, I'm getting some signs that maybe it's 95 years after the artist's death. I think it depends on the type of intellectual property, so on and so forth. But that's a general idea. Bach is in the public domain. Anybody can use that for any reason or no reason at all, and there are no limitations on it. Look, I can go to YouTube right now, and I can pull up a Bach song, and I can listen to it. Of course somebody playing Bach and putting their own kind of twist to it. That's a totally different thing. 
Notice no copyright strikes? How about that? Isn't that interesting? Bach is public domain, and Ben Shapiro knows that. That's why he picked that example, because Bach is available for anybody to use for any reason. It is not comparable in any way, shape, or form to Eminem's song, Lose Yourself. I keep forgetting. Is it just lose it or lose yourself? It's lose yourself. It's not comparable at all. And Harvard graduate Ben Shapiro claimed to get a 180 on the LSAT, the highest score possible. Doesn't seem to know the distinction. He's in f moron mode again. For God's sake, we use Bach in like, in like Cheez-It commercials. We usually, we literally, the cheese. Oh, and also Cheez-Its are not controversial. Everybody loves Cheez-Its. To be perfectly frank, I always keep a box of Cheez-Its right next to my desk just in case because you never know when you're going to need one. I'm dead serious, okay? And the best type is white cheddar. White cheddar Cheez-Its. Seriously, I keep a box next to me. That's how much I love Cheez-Its. We usually, we literally, the Cheez-It commercials, it wasn't Bach. It was Edvard Grieg. Okay, we use Beethoven's Fifth Symphony for selling, like, cat litter. Again, public domain. This is not comparable at all. Why didn't you pick Jay-Z or Beyonce or something? Because he knows that that's not public domain. That has to go through a process of licensing. Hey, like, what, what, come on. Eminem. He's just ridiculous, ridiculous crap. I do appreciate that he compared Eminem to Bach or Beethoven. Um, I feel that's that's fair. Again, biggest stand alive right here. Vivek Ramaswamy, here's the, the headline. Being sued or, or got a cease and desist letter by Eminem or from Eminem. Don't license that music to Vivek Ramaswamy anymore. He's no longer allowed to use it on the campaign trail. That is the bottom line. And I love it. I love everything about it. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Eminem. I can I can also rap Eminem and keep up. Rap God? I can't I can't do that one. That's entirely too fast for me. Um I can rap Drop the World with Lil Wayne, who by the way is a Trump fan. Lil Wayne is, seriously. I can also do the rap for the song Forever with Kanye West, who is a Nazi, seriously. I can do, like, a whole bunch of Eminem's raps. Most of his raps aren't, like, crazy fast, but some of them are insane. And I picked out a few of the insane ones to hit, so, yeah, to learn. Like, I learned the raps. Anyway, thanks for the super chat. There was a movie called The Interview by Seth Rogen, and James Franco was in it, I think. He's the interviewer. And they really wanted to interview Kim Jong-un. So they, it's kind of like a tabloid thing, you know, like the, the National Enquirer or whatever, where they're really obnoxious, terrible interviewers and, and all of that. But they get real Eminem into this movie, the interview, to talk about, well, you know what? Just listen. Just listen to this. I really rap about the things that I hate. It's more about the things that I fear. I get you. You know, it's like if I say something about women or yes. whatever. I think a lot of that is more or less me just dealing with issues with, you know, old issues with my mom or whatever. With your mother. <sighs> yeah, it's cringy because Eminem's trying to be serious here. And the interviewer is obviously not taking it seriously. But Eminem appears to be dead serious, right? That's going to be relevant in a second. 
Yeah, or, or, you know, when I say things about gay people or people think that my lyrics are homophobic, mm -hmm. you know, it's because I'm gay. Um, when I rap... Uh, what? <laughs> Can you believe they got Eminem on to say that? That is crazy! Um, when I rap about violence Wait. or, you know, sound like I'm promoting violence, I think that... Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead because I don't, like, I, I don't want... I'm going to cut out certain parts of this because they're not really relevant and I, I want to avoid like a copyright strike or something or a copyright dispute. So I'm only going to show the relevant parts here. You know, it's more or less what? because, what? you know, it's kind of about, uh, it's kind of about me just, you know, confronting it. What the interviewer is like looking around like, what the, did he just say what I think he said? Just say, wow. Wait, can we finish? He what said he was gay. Did he, did he, did he just say he was gay? We're pretty sure in the booth, he just heard him say he was gay. The Chiron on the thing says, afraid of the monster that's under his bed. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love all the references. That was a song he did called Monster with Rihanna. Uh, it was a joint song. I think it was on Rihanna's album, but yeah, really good. M, let's just back it up a moment. You just said that you were gay? Um... And I'm just curious what you meant by that exactly. Okay, so the interviewer, uh, National Enquirer equivalent, is giving him an opportunity to back out of that statement now, right? This is real, okay? This isn't AI-generated, deepfake, nothing. No, the, Eminem did this. Eminem sat in this chair and said this <laughs> for real. I mean, I'm gay. Uh, I'm just a little confused here because gay can mean a lot of things. I'm a homosexual. Meaning, oh, dude, I love it to death. It's fantastic. I like men. How do you get clearer than that, right? I'm a homosexual. I like men. That's what I mean. Anyways, yeah, just skip forward a little bit because it's irrelevant. Eminem's publicist comes in and tries to shut it down, and they put on the Chiron, Eminem gay? Question mark, exclamation mark? Eminem, this is the greatest moment in gay history. Are probably shocked by what you're saying right now. I'm more shocked that people haven't figured it out yet. I mean, it's kind of like I've been playing gay peekaboo. Gay peekaboo. Yeah, but um. Shit, camera one. Hang on. Say what I say. What did you mean when you rapped? I said nice rectum. I had a vasectomy, Hector. So you can't get pregnant if I bisexually wreck you. That's from a song called Medicine Ball, and it's on his album Relapse, I believe. And it's actually a really, really good song. You should listen to it, Medicine Ball, for real. And he really does say that in that song. Eminem says that. Listen again. So you can't get pregnant if I bisexually wreck you. No joke. How do you come out of this movie? Like, I know it's a movie. I know that it's not real. How do you come out of this believing Eminem is straight? I I'm, I think it's fantastic. I want Eminem to be gay. That'd be that'd be great. And also, dude hasn't had a you know a girlfriend or a wife or or anything at all for what is it thirty years, forty years now? I've pretty much just been leaving a breadcrumb trail of gayness. I see that now. You know. But yeah, actually, Hector Hector was a was a real person. Hector and his rectum were real. <laughs> I love it, dude. This is this is a really funny movie. I think it went direct to Netflix instead of airing in theaters because Kim Jong Un threatened to bomb the United States 
if it made its way to theaters or some other stupid thing. And so they just they didn't want any terror attacks or any whatever. So Seth Rogen just released it to like streaming platforms, but absolutely phenomenal. Hector's rectum is real. Anyways, I don't. Yeah. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. I think that's fantastic personally. And tell me, Eminem gay? Question mark. Let me know what you think. Next, we're going to talk about Trump's co-defendants in the Georgia Rico case. They are not reacting well to their situation. Even Donald Trump Jr. is losing it. This is kind of entertaining. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. The FBI and the Department of Justice operate at that level more like uh, the secret police in a fascist or a communist or Nazi uh, state. I mean, they, they don't operate like anything we would recognize as the Department of Justice or the, or the FBI. As you can tell, Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump and the other defendants in the RICO case in Georgia and the many other indictments against Donald Trump are not taking it well. Rudy Giuliani was actually on the list of people who was arrested along with Donald Trump. So I decided to get together a little compilation of people who were arrested with Trump in Georgia on, you know, the RICO case, and I, I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, what, were, what were the charges? Next week, former President Trump and his co-defendants will... I do not want that. There is one thing in this world that <laughs> me off more than anything on planet Earth. And anybody that knows me personally will tell you what that thing is. And it just happened to me again. Audio playing against my will without my permission okay i have a mac that i use for editing and that's what you're looking at right now my mac and then i have a windows computer that i use for streaming when i start hearing audio coming from random places i don't know which computer it's coming from i don't know which browser tab it's coming from i have like 16 different windows open at all times it's impossible to find there's nothing on planet earth that me off more than audio playing against my permission. And personally, I am of the opinion, I know it's controversial, but I believe we should track down whichever programmer it was that was working on Microsoft and or iOS or, or whatever. We should track that person down and we should show them some public executions. We should bring public executions back for people who endorse this position and you know what while these public executions are taking place i want it to happen right in the middle of the town square so everybody is aware that if you allow sound to play through a browser tab or whatever without alerting me as to which tab it's coming from this is going to happen to you next and i want to force everybody within a five mile radius to come out of their house under threat of death, to watch it take place. That is how much... That's my only exception for the death penalty. That's how much I hate sounds playing from my browser tabs without my permission or knowledge. 
Anyway, we were finding out what charges Donald Trump was facing in Georgia. I got to be careful because that that was obviously a joke, but I don't want it to be taken as like <laughs> an endorsement of like violence or something. Okay, so right here we've got uh, AP News that that's kind of listing like the co-defendants and the charges and everything. The Georgia case, I don't know about all of the other um, defendants like Rudy Giuliani, like Harrison Floyd and like others. I don't know about them, but Trump himself was charged with a ton of stuff, including but not limited to the RICO Act, Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act, three counts of solicitation, a violation of oath by public officer, one count of conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, two counts of conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, so on and so forth, that kind of thing. They are not handling it well. Oh boy, are they upset over what's going on right now. And it is fascinating to watch. I love it to death. You know what I love more than watching these people squirm? Watching Don Jr. squirm at the possibility that his dad or his family or his legacy or his whatever is going to crash and burn. Check this out. Late August 2023. This is Alex Jones's lawyer, or I don't think it's his lawyer, but there, it, it's a lawyer that works with Alex Jones. I think it's one of the hosts on one of Alex Jones's or one of InfoWars shows. He was talking to Don Jr. Listen to this. ...of the charges in D.C. by the Senate going through the constitutional process of impeachment. The I mean, this guy has been impeached twice, acquitted twice, uh, his whole life, macroscopic, microscopic view. I told people he must be the most innocent New York real estate man <laughs> in the history of America. Ever. Dude, what? What did you just say about Donald Trump? The most innocent New York real estate man in the history of America. <laughs> Ever. The most innocent real estate man in the history of America. They can't settle for he's innocent. They have to take it a step further every time, don't they? What an absolutely absurd thing to say for real. And Don Jr. looks like he's been generated by some AI. It's like a deep fake. He's got way too many teeth in this head. I don't... Can't tell if this is real or not. Jesus, dude. New York real estate man in the history of America. <laughs> ever. Ever. I, I'm so, by any doubt. I mean, if they couldn't they couldn't find a speck. And instead they had to make up fake charges. Okay, I don't know who they is. Are they in the room with us right now? And also, what what does he mean when he says they couldn't find a speck? Are you saying that Donald Trump is completely spotless he's squeaky clean he's never broken a law in his entire life never done anything never even jaywalked is that what this dude is trying to communicate this is insane again uh they're not handling this well these people the trump defendants the people that are involved in trump's case i'm not going to use weasel words like they did i'm actually going to define they don jr eric trump the whole trump family all of the defendants involved and all of the, the, the far-right talk show hosts, like who we're listening to right now on Infowars, all of them, they're losing their minds over this right now. And I am eating this up. I love it. Fake charges for fake cases, but in the process, they're endangering America's constitutional future. They're endangering America's constitutional future. Is there a hyperbole too far for these people? That's what I want to know what I tell people is this case isn't really just about President Trump. It's about the future of the country. 
Totally. I, I guess there is no hyperbole too far for them, apparently. Either we're going to survive or we're not going to survive. And how these cases are handled and how the public re- responds and reacts on Election Day will shape the future of the country. Because these are cases, I mean, this implicates First Amendment rights in terms of selective prosecution. No, it doesn't. This is something that was addressed in the indictment. I believe they're talking about Trump's fourth indictment, which is the Georgia case. I'm not sure what we're up to at this point. Are we on five, six, seven, eight, nine? I don't know. Anyway, the indictments have all said this isn't about free speech. You're allowed to say whatever you want. You're allowed to even lie and claim the election was stolen when it was not. But when you intend to commit a criminal act and you lie in that process, everything that you just did is illegal. He's being charged with the Racketeering and Corrupt Organizations Act or something. I forget what the RICO Act. He's being charged with conspiracy to commit forgery or what, what were the things here? One count of conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer. Two counts of conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, so on and so forth. He's being charged with all of this stuff, not because of what he said, but because of what he did or what he intended to do. If you have a a concealed carry permit, for example, right, you're allowed to carry a gun on you concealed in your waist belt or whatever, you know and you forget that you have it on you, you're just going about your business, doing your thing, and you go into the bank, and you deposit some money, and then you leave the bank, and no one's the wiser. You had no intent. You just forgot. You know, there's no, like, criminal conspiracy there. But if you walk in with the gun and pull it out and set it on the counter and ask to make a withdrawal, that's not free speech being violated when you get arrested. You just committed a crime. Is it illegal to own a gun? No. Is it illegal to bring a gun into into a bank? Under some circumstances, I think it's legal to do, depending on which state and jurisdiction and stuff. Is it legal to make a withdrawal from a bank? Yes, all those things individually are all legal. It is illegal to walk into a bank with a gun, set it on the counter, and tell the clerk you want to make a withdrawal like that. It's very clear what you intended to do at that point, and you will go to jail for the rest of your life if you do something like that. So all these things that they're describing, this free speech stuff, no, it's not about Trump's free speech being violated. Trump is allowed to lie about anything he wants. It's about the fact that he formulated a conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree. He has two counts of false statements and writings, two counts of conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, One count of filing false documents. One count of conspiracy to commit filing false documents. The list goes on and on and on. That's just one chart or one uh, indictment that we're dealing with. That's just the Georgia case. I haven't even touched on the federal ones. Now, we're talking two felony counts, including one conspiracy count, of obstructing an official proceeding under 18 U.S.C. subsection 1512. One felony count of conspiracy to defraud the U.S. under 18 U.S.C. subsection 371. One felony count of conspiracy against rights. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. None of this stuff is a free speech violation. None of it. Okay, these people are just looking for a reason for Trump to be innocent. And for all of the other people, they're just kind of ignoring him, seemingly like they don't even care about him. But trust me, those people are outraged, too, that they're being charged with the crimes that they committed. 
Oh, and by the way, I don't, I'm not sure who actually threw this clip together. I think it may have been Ron Filipkowski on the Twit or on Threads. I'm not sure where I got it originally. But next time, if you're watching, might have been Right Wing Watch, might have been Hemant Mehta, might have been Filipkowski. It was probably Filipkowski. Please don't zoom in on Don's face. Not this close. I I mean, give me a black screen, if anything. I, w- I just don't want to be this close to Don Jr. at any moment. Uh, thank you to Ron Filipkowski for getting these clips either way, in all seriousness. We'll shape the future of the country because these are cases. I mean, this implicates First Amendment rights in terms of selective prosecution, First Amendment rights in terms of freedom of press, freedom of speech, freedom. No, it doesn't. Assembly and the right to petition the government. One of the most foundational rights constitutionally. uh, No, it doesn't affect any of that stuff. None of this stuff's affected. Like what is going on right now? Every single thing they accused President Trump of as Professor Turley. That was the end. God, he just went off on a screed, dude. This guy is really, really upset that Donald Trump is being charged with the crimes that he committed. And Don Jr. is just kind of sitting here like smiling. And uh, God, this is just too close. I'll tell you what, guys, I'll make a promise to you. Next time I get a clip of Don Jr., I will make sure that these gigantic teeth are not this close to your face at any moment, okay? There's actually another defendant that you may not have heard of. Dude's name is Harrison Floyd, okay? And he's a black defendant. This is from late August 2023. He went on Steve Bannon's show. Now, before we watch this video, I want to tell you who this guy is, Harrison Floyd. I looked him up specifically. I wanted to know what it was that he did. This is on ABC News. Harrison Floyd, only defendant held in Georgia election case, released from Fulton County Jail. So here's the bottom line. All of the other defendants in the Fulton County, Georgia case were filthy rich and could post bail easily. I got the impression that Harrison Floyd, this guy right here on the right, is not filthy rich. I I don't know. I have no clue. But he was held. He wasn't allowed to leave the jail for seven days, and I suspect that's because of bail. I don't know. Let's just read this article real quick about him. Harrison Floyd, the only one of 19 defendants in Fulton County DA Fannie Willis's election interference case to be held overnight after uh, surrendering to authorities last week, has been released from Fulton County Jail, according to the inmate database. Placed into custody last Thursday... After surrendering for processing without a pre-negotiated bond agreement, Floyd spent six days at the facility before posting bail and being released Wednesday. Oh, I see. So Fannie Willis basically told these people, you need to turn yourself in by Thursday. And most of them, like Giuliani, presumably, and the other 19 negotiated bond agreements before coming in and then brought the money with them, which is a reasonable and expected thing to do. I don't like the system, but that's how it works. And that's reasonable under the circumstances. I don't, I don't think that she, I think she should have put them all in cuffs. Honestly, she shouldn't have given them an opportunity to turn themselves in. She should have showed up and arrested them all individually, but okay. Okay, fine. Whatever. So he didn't negotiate a bond agreement before walking in. He just walked in. And that's probably the reason why he was held, if I had to guess. At his first appearance hearing last Friday, he was denied bond by Judge Emily Richardson, who cited his criminal record and flight risk. 
There's no way that I'm a flight risk, ma'am. I showed up before the president, Floyd, the former director of the organization Black Voices for Trump, said during the hearing. The former director, Black Voices for Trump. Okay, apparently Black Voices for Trump is a political group that's raised support for Donald Trump among African Americans. It was founded in 2019. The organization launched with an event at the Georgia World Congress Center featuring Ben Carson and Herman Cain. At a Black Voices for Trump event in Atlanta, Trump pledged to make Juneteenth a federal holiday and push for economic development. Wow, really interesting. Okay. So anyway, I guess he was the former director of that. In a consent order filed on Tuesday, judge, which is so like five days after he or four days after he was arrested or turned himself in. In a consent order filed on Tuesday, Judge Scott McAfee or McAfee set Floyd's bond amount at 100000 which is roughly in the range of the others, a little bit lower, actually. Trump's was 200000 and included the same conditions of release as the majority of his 18 co-defendants, that he must report to pretrial supervision monthly, cannot speak with witnesses or co-defendants outside the presence of counsel, and cannot intimidate witnesses or obstruct justice. Floyd is one of 19 defendants, including former President Trump, charged in a sweeping racketeering indictment for alleged efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in the state of Georgia. Floyd is facing charges of influencing witnesses and soliciting false statements and writings. Uh-oh. You wondered what this dude's role was in this whole thing? Charges of influencing witnesses and soliciting false statements and writings after he allegedly attempted to influence Fulton County election worker Ruby Freeman, according to Willis' indictment. Oh, boy. That's not good. So, anyways, that's what this dude did, if you were wondering. He was released eventually. I don't know if Georgia works the same way as West Virginia, but in West Virginia, when you receive a bond hearing, basically, they'll, they'll set an amount, $100,000, and they know most people don't have that kind of money. And those people are going to sit in there forever, basically, or until their trial date, actually. That's when they're going to get out or when they have an opportunity to get out. But a lot of the time in West Virginia, they'll set your bond amount to, uh, say, $40,000, right? Or, or hell, let's, let's say it's a lower amount. Say $5,000 bond if it's a, not a, as serious a charge as some of the things that these people are facing. Now, the $5,000 bond means that you can either put up a piece of property that's worth $5,000 or you can put up cash that is 10% of that amount. So you can put up $500 cash or you can put your car's title up or your house's title up or something and you can sign it over to these people and they will hold on to it to guarantee that you will show up to these hearings. And when you show up, you get the money back or you get the title back, you get the whatever back. That's how it works generally. So if unless it's cash only, in some cases they do cash only. My understanding is this was cash or bond. So Donald Trump's bond was 200000 and he got a bail bondsman in the area to put up $20,000 for him in cash. They brought money and put twenty grand down to guarantee that Trump will show up. Now, Trump is going to pay the bail bondsman that twenty grand, and the bail bondsman's going to get that twenty grand back when Trump shows up to court. So it's basically doubling the bail bondsman's money. That's how they make their money. And that's, you know, how they stay in business. Anyways, this guy had to put up 10 grand probably to get out or put up his house's title. That's if it works the same as it does in West Virginia. That's what I'm assuming. Anyways, he got out. So 
he when he got out, he showed up on Steve Bannon's show to talk about the outrage of being charged with witness intimidation and the other things that he did in this case. Listen to what he had to say on Steve Bannon. Dude is a complete nutcase. Late August 2023. You think you were singled out because you're an African-American and particularly a, a, a MAGA, you're MAGA, you're a Trump supporter, you're a patriot, you're a veteran. Do you think you were singled out because of that? Wow, that's a super honest and unbiased question to be asked by Bannon, huh? No, he just didn't negotiate a bond hearing beforehand like the other 18 people did. That's kind of on him. That was probably a wise decision, but that tells me nobody was really talking to him. And I don't, to my knowledge, he's not a lawyer. The others were lawyers, or many of them were, and they were aware of what they were capable of doing and, and the best way to get out of this situation for themselves. He probably had no idea, and he just walked in, is my guess. Um, Part of it, uh, you know, part of the black culture is always voting Democrat. Um, I well, I mean, the KKK endorses... Republicans. The KKK is a conservative group and throughout all of, you know, American history have been on the conservative side. They've consistently voted conservative. So, yeah, I, I suppose you could say that it's culturally inappropriate for a member of the black community to vote for the party that repeats KKK talking points, the party that is endorsed by the KKK and even runs candidates that are members of the KKK historically and even in present day. Yeah, I would say that's a little bit weird for somebody to do. The black culture is always voting Democrat. Um, I went against the code, if you will, at the high. You mean you voted for the party that is endorsed by the KKK and runs KKK candidates? Yeah, I'd say you went against the code, sure. The code, if you will, at the highest order. And so uh, the district attorney decided she wanted to send me uh, what we call as a Negro wake-up call. And um, she dialed the wrong number because it didn't go through. So. This is just disgusting, dude. These people are not reacting well, is the point. And Harrison Floyd is going to use any card he possibly can to make himself look persecuted. They all will. Trump is using every card he has to make himself look persecuted, too. Giuliani claimed that, if you remember at the very beginning of this, that this is the type of thing that the Nazis did. Remember? The FBI and the Department of Justice operate at that level more like uh, the secret police in a fascist or a communist or Nazi uh, state. I mean, they, they don't operate like anything we would recognize as the Department of Justice or the, or the FBI. They're just falling apart, dude. They are falling apart. That is the bottom line. And honestly, I'm here for every second of it. I love it. I am eating this up. This is John Eastman. He is the lawyer who gave Trump the justification that he needed to violate the Constitution, basically. He said... This part of the Constitution's a little ambiguous, and we're not really sure what it means. When, in reality, it wasn't ambiguous. It was very, very clear. There's a part of the Constitution that describes what happens and how votes are counted and, and everything else. Delegates show up that are sent from the states after elections are certified by the states on December 14th or 18th or whatever it was that year. After the votes are all certified by the states, which they were on, I think, December 18th of 2020, on January 6th, 
Congress gets together and the vice president ceremonially counts the votes. That's it. He just sits there and he pulls them out and he counts them one after another. That's his only role. He can't contest them. He can't send them back to the states. He can't do anything. The Constitution is very clear on this. Your role as vice president is to count the votes. That's it. John Eastman claimed that you can do more than just count the votes. You can do whatever you want. You can send it back to the states. You can whatever. The goal was to cause chaos so that there would be a constitutional crisis. We didn't know what to do next because the Constitution didn't outline what to do next. And Trump just stays in power. That was the goal, ultimately. Listen to John Eastman's analysis of the situation after being released from the Fulton County Jail or whatever, after being released from arrest. I'm sorry, do you think the president should have spoken out sooner, given the footage well, that was, was I, readily know, available? I, 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 We're talking about January 6th. Do you think he should have spoken out on January 6th to prevent people from doing something psychotic? Was I, readily know, available. I, 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 yeah, I don't want to get in the middle of what those deliberations were. I wasn't. Oh, boy. You don't want to get in the middle of it, huh? Wow, you found yourself smack dab in the middle of it, didn't you? In the middle of what those deliberations were, I wasn't party to them. And, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes on in those situation rooms that I don't know anything about. So I don't want to get in the middle of that. Situation room. There's a lot in those situation rooms. We're talking about what happened on January 6th. Your ass came up with the plan, okay? You were in the middle of it. What do you mean you don't want to get in the middle of it? Oh, God, these people are just losing their minds right now. And I, I'm, I'm eating it up, man. I love it to death. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. I think it's hilarious. And I hope to see these people face justice for once in their lives. Donald Trump, I don't know if he's going to face justice. Probably not. He's too old. He's probably going to delay, 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 delay until, you know, his clock hits midnight and it's over for him. That's my guess. I mean, he's already like 80 or something, isn't he? I think he can delay for a while and maybe even get house arrest if he does finally face music. But these other people, nobody cares about these other people. I think these other people like uh, John Eastman and uh, who is it? Harrison Floyd, dude who engaged in witness intimidation and uh, Giuliani. I mean, Giuliani's famous in his own right. So I think they're... They're in bad shape. I think that they are actually going to face justice, and I am here for every second of it. I love it. Let me know what you think in the comments. Next, we're going to talk about famous far-right radio host Stu Peters saying some deeply concerning stuff about people on the left at a recent conference. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon, and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. Those people are going to be the ones that end up going to get the injection. Those people will be the ones that end up falling over and dying. And that sample group of people, we will be in a better place without them. This is Stu Peters. If you're unfamiliar, he had a part on the Reawaken America tour recently. The Reawaken America tour is like this pro-Trump nutcase tour. They have a whole bunch of really famous people. I think Donald Trump himself actually spoke there a while back. They get Don Jr., they got Eric Trump, they, you know, they've had the whole crew. And it's a basically a QAnon conference. There's one point at which COVID spread through the entire conference, like everybody got sick. They were a, a, an illness vector, if you will. And they claimed that it wasn't really COVID that got everybody sick and actually killed some really famous people. 
They claimed it was an anthrax attack on them. It's just, God, dude, these people. Anyway, Stu Peter showed up at the Reawaken America tour. That's why I'm talking about it. But I want to introduce you to Stu Peters. Now, the woman on the right, this is Deanna Lorraine. She was previously an InfoWars correspondent, quote-unquote. She was like a talking head for Alex Jones's TV network or whatever. And she ran for public office, and she got pretty close to winning. Or did she win? I don't remember. Ballotpedia.org is a really useful website. You fill it out yourself. She filled out her own biography and everything here. Okay. You know what? I think it's good to fill out the Ballotpedia. It's really valuable for people like me, but... She was challenging, apparently, Nancy Pelosi, and she got 4,635 votes, 1.8% of the vote. Deanna Lorraine did. Um, So I guess you could say she didn't really get super close, but she wasn't a write-in candidate. She was, you know, she's on the ticket. She was well-known. She didn't, she wasn't at the very bottom. So anyway... Take that for what you will. She's not a nobody, if you were wondering. Let's listen to Stu Peters talking to Deanna Lorraine about how they feel about people to the left of hunting the homeless for sport. That's where they stand politically, is about at that level. They probably haven't endorsed that position, hunting the homeless for sport. I don't, I haven't heard them do it yet. But, you know, they're in that range. That's how far right they are. So let's listen to them talk about COVID here. Uh, early May 2021. Just a little introduction to Stu Peters. Those that tell me that I am a raging lunatic, those that tell me, what science do you have to be giving this advice? It's a shame and it's scary that you have a platform and you're telling people to wait on this vaccine. Mm. Those people are going to be the ones that end up going to get the injection. Okay, well, to be fair, I've said that, that stuff, I suppose. What place do you have? What science do you have to say those things on a public platform? You're getting people killed, Stu. And what was the other thing he said? Let me step back. Wait on this vaccine. Those people are going to be the ones that end up going to get the injection. That's me. Yep. Who has two thumbs and has gotten the injection? This guy right here. I've gotten four shots. Four shots. Okay. So according to some people, I should be dead at this point, right? Those people will be the ones that end up falling over and dying. According to this guy, apparently. And that sample group of people, we will be in a better place without them. Sadly, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'll probably get kicked off the air for saying that. How could he be kicked off the air? It's a podcast network. He uploads to Telegram. What the hell are you talking about? Kicked off the air. Such a martyr. He's got a persecution complex the size of Donald Trump's. It's crazy. There is no kicked off the air for this guy because he has his own thing that he built, like Infowars. This is like Alex Jones saying, oh, I'll probably be kicked off the air. Kicked off of what air? You're not on YouTube. You're not on, like, uh, you know, Twitter or any of the whatever other places, Spotify or whatever. You're not on these places. What a disgusting position this dude holds, though, isn't it? Like, I don't wish death on anybody, ever. Nobody. I don't believe that... I wish that people would be better. You know, Donald Trump has caused immeasurable damage to society. I wish that Trump was a better person and did more uh, and, and used his powers and used his authority and sway and bully pulpit for good rather than for 
his own personal gain. That's what I wish. But I don't wish that the dude would die. I just wish he'd get, he'd be better. It sounds to me like Stu Peters wishes death on people, right? Place without them. Sadly, I mean, I don't know. It's I'll probably get kicked off the air for saying that. Uh, but you know what? I, I will never lie. Thing. I will never lie on this platform. And that's just the truth. Deanna Lorraine, I shots felt, fired. <laughs> I felt guilty for thinking that last night, but I was thinking maybe Darwin's theory is true. Oh, she, oh yeah. She's a uh, young earth creationist, doesn't accept evolution as the scientific fact that it is, but is looking for an opportunity to revel in people's deaths. These people are absolutely terrible. Where are their heads? So there's your introduction to Stu Peters. It only gets crazier from here. Buckle up, because it's about to get wild. Check this out. Late August 2023, Reawaken America Tour was held in Las Vegas. I've already covered a couple of really crazy things on this, like, you know, from this tour. But uh, check out what Stu Peters had to say in his talk, I guess, his speech or whatever. Completely unfettered, completely uncensored. There is nothing that you're not allowed to say on this stage. So he just went buck wild, said whatever he was thinking. We are going to see extreme accountability. What does extreme accountability mean? Maximum accountability. We are going to have permanent accountability. Oh, so he's saying that he wants people to die. Okay, more wishing death on people. Great. With extreme prejudice. Okay, so uh, that, that's kind of a weird thing to say. With extreme prejudice? When a case is dismissed with prejudice, it means that you can't come back and try the case again. The case is done and over with, period. Like double jeopardy type of deal, right? If you dismiss a case without prejudice, it means if they come with more evidence and they can bring this case back to the court and they'll reexamine, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't sound like that's what he's talking about. It just sounds like he's saying he wants to kill people who he's prejudiced against, right? I I am I picking this up correctly? With extreme prejudice. That is psychotic. That is absolutely insane. But if you think that's the craziest part of the speech, just wait. Check this one out. This is just from a couple minutes later. Then we will put Hunter Biden on trial. For what? God, the, the, the right's obsession with Hunter Biden is weird at this point. Like, what? They've got just the, the weirdest... Trying to think about how to say this in a monetizer-friendly way. I don't think there's a way to say it in a monetizer-friendly way. You get the idea. They've got the weirdest obsession with the guy. Not for tax evasion. Not for some phony gun violation or money laundering. No, we're going to put him on trial for the real crime that he committed. Treason. He committed treason? Okay, treason is very specifically defined in the Constitution as... I think it's providing aid or comfort to an enemy during war, levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. That's the actual official definition constitutionally in the United States. OK, so apparently Hunter Biden, apparently we're at war with somebody. I mean, we are actually engaged in some wars, but who did Hunter Biden help exactly like who? 
did he give aid and comfort to? Selling this country off to rich oligarchs in China and Vladimir Zelensky's Ukraine. Okay, we're not at war with Ukraine or China, so it's not treasonous what he did. And he, what did he even do? What is he talking about? Selling off what? What did we sell? Country off to rich oligarchs in China. We're, we're selling our country off to oligarchs in China? What? What the hell are you talking about? As every rich person knows, I'm talking rich like tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars. As every rich, filthy rich person knows, you should diversify any money that you have. And you should never really have any cash on hand. Also, the people who manage the money of rich people probably know this, like accountants and stuff. You should be invested in all kinds of different things, index, index stocks in the United States. And ideally, it would be good if you were also invested in foreign currencies, uh, foreign markets. You want to have as diverse a portfolio as possible generally, for the most part. And that's what Hunter Biden had he's one of those people filthy rich right he had stake in a company in china and he sold his stake in that company if for like a million dollars or something he owned like 10 percent of this company that operated out of china and he sold it and he got the money and that was it that's what hunter biden did i don't see i mean donald trump owns stake in chinese companies and Russian companies and Saudi Arabian companies. I mean, you'd be a fool not to at that level of money. That's just how wealth works in the world. So what what's he complaining about? Is he complaining that Hunter Biden, like, has money? He must really hate Trump if that's the case. And Volodymyr Zelensky's Ukraine. And when he's convicted for those crimes, he will get the punishment that traitors like Julius and Ethel Rosenberg received before him. Death! Okay, that's psychotic. That is straight up wishing death upon somebody. It doesn't get more psychotic than that. You know, my position of not wishing death on anybody is a little bit controversial. Some people believe that the world would be a better place without certain others, like Donald Trump, for example. And I can see that argument. I can understand where you're coming from with that position. But this is where you end up. Seriously. This is where you find yourself when you let your hate take you too far. This is why I don't wish death on anybody, any single person. I wish they'd be better than they are, not dead. Couple minutes later in the talk, keep listening here. So we're going to drag Tony Fauci out of retirement. Oh, yeah. This dude has, like, a weird obsession with uh, Anthony Fauci. Like, inexplicable, bizarre, bordering on homoerotic. I don't understand what his fixation is on him, but okay. Let's, uh, let's keep listening to him talk about him. So we're going to drag Tony Fauci out of retirement. We're going to put him in the docket. We will force him to confront his lies about gain-of-function research. Okay, this is a complicated subject, and I want to address it because there's been a lot of talk about gain-of-function research. Did Anthony Fauci lie about it? Blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you how 
the flu vaccine is produced every year, okay? Viruses evolve over time. That's why we have a new strain of the flu every year. That's why we have a, a new strain of COVID all the time. The Delta variant, the Epsilon variant, the, the Alpha variant, it keeps on going. We get new ones constantly, right? Because it changes and evolves and adapts and so on and so forth. So scientists, in an effort to make a flu vaccine that will do the most good, that will protect the maximum number of people from dying, will isolate the flu virus and just watch it. See what it does. Watch how it competes with other viruses and how it evolves over time and grows and changes and so on and so forth. And they will base a vaccine upon that. Now, it's not a perfect process. The flu virus doesn't always turn out the way that we expect it to the following year. And the vaccine doesn't always match exactly what we need to protect every single person. But you know what the flu vaccine does do? It protects a few people. I don't know what its efficacy rate is up to right now, but say, I don't know, 50,000 people a year die from the flu. I'm not even sure how many. Let's see. Looking like 12,000 to 52,000 deaths annually between 2010 and 2020, I think. So I was pretty close. Yeah, about 50,000. That's the high end. Uh, 12,000 to 52,000 deaths. Getting a flu vaccine, even if the scientists were pretty close to what they expected, will reduce those deaths from 52,000 to 50,000 or 40,000 or 30 or 20 or 12. Maybe only 12,000 people die if these scientists guessed pretty accurately what the flu virus would be doing the following year. That's how vaccine research works. You can save the maximum number of people by watching what a virus does how, watching how it evolves and changes over time and building a vaccine for that. That's what was happening in the Wuhan lab in China. From my understanding, they were watching a virus that they knew was in a bat population nearby. And as a matter of fact, if I think there's a minute physics video on YouTube or an AESA or, or an ASAP science, ASAP science video out from like 2016, like years before COVID came out, that mentioned the COVID virus in bats. They said this is likely to be the source of the next big pandemic, or it's possible that it will be. So the Wuhan lab was intelligently researching the COVID virus to make sure that, you know, to try to find a vaccine for it before it was even necessary, because it was likely that that was going to be the source of the next pandemic. The lab leak theory or the lab leak hypothesis where COVID leaked from a lab and got, you know, made everybody sick, that's a conspiracy theory still. There's no evidence for it. The Department of Energy in the United States put out a low confidence assessment that they believed that it leaked from a lab. The same level of confidence, by the way, that they used to justify the Iraq war. We have a low level confidence that. Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. I'm dead serious. And for the record, the Department of Energy is the only department as of this moment that has come out with any assessment that the, the COVID lab leak conspiracy is anything more than that. 
a conspiracy. Now, it's possible it may turn out to be true. Maybe it did leak from a lab. Who knows? I'm not discounting it as a possibility, but you know what I am doing? I'm saying it's ridiculous for you to claim that you know for a fact that it leaked from a lab when you have no idea how COVID came to be. The most likely explanation, the one supported by the most facts and information that we have, is that COVID is that there was a spillover event from an animal to a human being. Scientists have been eyeballing this for a long time. Now, there's a reason that I mentioned how the flu vaccine is produced. What I described, watching the virus grow and evolve and change over time, as scientists do here in the U.S. with the flu virus every single year, that's not really gain-of-function research. That's just watching it grow and evolve. But depending on your definition of gain-of-function, I suppose you're doing gain-of-function research, you're watching it gain functions and researching that. So I suppose it's kind of gain of function. There's an intent behind it, though, when you say gain of function research. There was research going on on the COVID virus that was in bats at the time, like, you know, 2016 to 2019 type of era. And before that, even from my understanding, people were researching this in the exact same way. And the United States, from my understanding, was funding the lab, you know, sending grants to it to try, you know, so they could get information on this, too, because it'd be valuable information in the event there was like a spillover where it went from animals to humans. We could have this information that would help us produce a vaccine faster. So we were sending grants to it. Now, that's a completely innocuous thing that happened. But Rand Paul wanted to fundraise off of outrage. So Rand Paul goes to the floor of the house and calls Anthony Fauci to the floor and says, you were doing gain of research or gain of function research on the COVID virus, weren't you? You were doing gain of function research, which is a complete bastardization and misunderstanding of the process. He was saying you were sending money to China so that they blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, Fauci was lambasted and attacked because they were doing exactly to the COVID virus what scientists have been doing to the flu virus for years. They were watching how it evolves and grows and changes over time and trying to develop vaccines for it. And the, the U.S. government was funding the research also in addition to other countries so that we would have access to that research. That's what was actually happening. Now, what is Stu Peter's interpretation of that whole situation? There was an intent behind it in his mind. He believes Fauci was intentionally setting out to create, to manufacture a virus that would kill the most people because Fauci is evil and sick and wants the most people dead and blah, 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 whatever other thing. Guy lives in a fantasy land where he's under attack 24-7 by the deep state. They're, they're coming for him. They're going to get him. And uh, Tony Fauci is like their emissary or whatever. It's insane. We will force him to confront his lies about gain-of-function research. We will. So when, when Fauci went to Congress to testify, he said, no, we were not doing gain-of-function research on COVID. And, of course, Rand Paul and Stu Peters here and others bastardized the meaning of gain-of-function to make Fauci out to be a liar. I guess in I guess in a technical sense, 
you could consider him a liar, but that's really not. I mean, they're they're attributing malice to Anthony Fauci, and there just wasn't. Okay, the dude was just trying to prevent the spread of illness. And it's psychotic for Stu Peters to say he wants to pull him out of retirement and make him pay for his lies. That's insane. We're going to put him in the docket. We will force him to confront his lies about gain-of-function research. We will read off every single one of the emails that he sent exposing the research that he funded. Yeah, all of this is nonsense. This whole email thing, it's all completely made up. Like, seriously, Stu Peters lives in a fantasy of its own creation. And unfortunately, he's gigantic on the right. He's bigger than I am by, like, a mile and a half. Way, way, way bigger. I mean, I follow these crazies on Telegram. Let me just check Stu Peters, the Stu Peters show. He's got... 236,000 subbies on Telegram alone. Let's check Rumble. Looks like on Rumble, he's got 544,000 subbies. That is insane Uh, for Rumble. I mean, Rumble doesn't have anywhere near the user base that YouTube has. So gaining 544,000 subscribers on Rumble is a totally different beast than getting there on YouTube. Because the, because the user base just is not there on Rumble like it is on YouTube. So he's massive on the right. One of the most famous extremists or, or right-wing talk show hosts or whatever. One of the most well-known. And he's saying this kind of stuff. It's crazy. The research that he funded at that bioweapons lab called the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Again, it was not a bioweapons lab. It was just a lab. There are a billion of them out there that help us determine if something is, you know, help us find vaccines for the flu and the whatever. We'll expose all of the emails he sent organizing and promoting the lies that covered it all up. And we there was no cover up. I'm sorry. I know I'm stopping every few seconds. I have to address this every time. There's no cover up. There was no like email trail where he was exposed for being a liar. There was no gain-of-function research. There was no none of that. It's all completely fabricated. And promoting the lies that covered it all up. And we will hold him accountable for the millions of lives that his illegal research cost. So I guess Stu Peters is on the side of COVID was real, but it was produced by, like, Anthony Fauci rather than COVID isn't even real. I mean, it's so hard to tell, like, where these people stand at any given moment. And when he is convicted, after a short and fast but thorough trial, he will hang from a length of thick rope until he is dead. That is psychotic. I use this video as an example of where you end up when you wish death on people. This is what happens when you let hate and rage take over. Take a lesson from this, for real. I think that I, I think I can leave this on YouTube. It's gonna be a little difficult and touchy, but I feel like this needs to stay up, this, this line that he just said. This needs to stay up on YouTube. It needs to be heard. People need to realize that somebody who's extremely influential on the far right 
is saying stuff like this. That is insane. And look, look, look at this. Look at the people clapping and cheering. How many people are there in this room, you think? Maybe, um, I'm not good at crowd estimation, but say 2,000? You think we got, uh, 1,500 maybe? 1,500 people in this crowd? All cheering and clapping for what he just said. That's not the only subject he touched on. If you think he went too far with Fauci, just wait. He touches on trans issues too. Check this one out. Same talk, just a couple minutes later. In the reckoning that is coming, there will be no such thing as a fake doctor who provides gender-affirming care. There will only be child mutilators convicted of the crime of child mutilation. And yes, after we fix some mistaken rulings by the Supreme Court, child mutilation will be a capital offense. Some mistaken rulings by the Supreme Court. Okay. I don't know what rulings he could be talking about, but there are only, to my knowledge, two things that you can do in the United States to receive the death penalty at all, anywhere, ever, no matter what. And that is either murder or treason. Those are the only two reasons for the death penalty. So I assume that when he says what he just said, the mistaken rulings thing, I'm assuming what he means is the death penalty should be more available to more people. Like we should be able to just kill people whenever, just because we want to, apparently. There will only be child mutilators convicted of the crime of child mutilation. And yes, after we fix some mistaken rulings by the Supreme Court, child mutilation will be a capital offense. Well, let me give you a little uh, information here. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I looked this up specifically not too long ago. It is illegal to give a trans-affirming bottom surgery to somebody under the age of 18 in the United States, and it has been since the very beginning, since the founding of the country. Nobody has ever received bottom surgery under 18 years old in the United States, ever. Now, there are some people who've worked with therapists for years, who have known for years, literal years, multiple, plural. They've known for years that they were trans. And they've worked with psychologists and therapists who have helped them figure this stuff out and worked through these uh, feelings and emotions and transitions and, and everything else. And after years of working on this and talking to people about it and you know, going to therapy and all this other stuff. After years of that, these people were allowed to get top surgeries if they wanted, as long as it was approved by a doctor and a psychologist, if they were under 18. So we're talking 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. That's happened a handful of times. As far as I could tell, it's really hard to get information on this, but I believe that it happened somewhere in the vicinity of two to 300 times in 2022. Like I said, really hard to find statistics on this. Do you know how many nose jobs minors received the same year, 2022? 33,000 nose jobs. 33,000 kids. I'm talking between the ages of five and 16 had a plastic surgeon take a scalpel and cut their nose up because they didn't like how it sat, because they didn't like that they had a big ridge on it or something. 32,000. And that was allowed. 
You don't hear Stu Peters up here talking about hanging from a length of thick rope for people like that, for doctors who give nose jobs to kids. He doesn't give a shit about kids receiving nose jobs. You know what he does give a shit about? The two or three hundred surgeries that took place where a 15, 16, or 17-year-old received top surgery. That's what he cares about. He, did, he never gave a shit about the kids, quote-unquote. He cared about hate. This is where hate brings you. This should be an abject lesson. Do not let hate take over. Don't let hate take over, guys, for real. You end up like Stu Peters. Oh, yeah, you know what else he doesn't care about? Circumcision. Circumcision is genuinely bad. You should not do that. Do not do that to a kid. If they want it when they are older, they can choose to have one. Do not give one to a kid, for real. You know why circumcision was popularized in the United States in the first place? Not for religious reasons. Oh, no. Christians were freed from it. As a matter of fact, if you are circumcised, according to Galatians 5, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Everyone who lets himself be circumcised is forced to obey the entire law. All 613 commandments. That means no putting two seeds in the same hole. No wearing cotton and linen blends. No eating pork. No eating shellfish. All of them, if you're circumcised and a Christian. So it wasn't religious reasons that brought circumcision to the U.S. It was the inventor of cornflakes. Seriously, the guy, Kellogg, was his last name? I forget his first name now. Invented cornflakes and made them as bland as humanly possible because he thought if people start the morning off with a really disgusting, bland food, then their sex drive will be diminished. And that's my goal. He said, you know what else I can do to try to diminish a sex drive? Do something to destroy sensation for people. So, you know, it, it's not as enjoyable for them. We'll cut the tip off. For a while there, he was actually running a metal wire through, or he was endorsing this position, and overseeing people doing this to children, running a metal wire through parts that a metal wire did not belong in. And if this kid got interested in something or, or thought about something or, hell, was just walking down the street and wasn't thinking about anything at all, it, was, it suddenly turned extremely painful for the kid. It was Kellogg's attempt to program into the populace that sex is evil. Don't circumcise your kids. Please, don't do it. Let them decide if they want to when they're older. Bodily autonomy. Do you hear Stu Peters talking about this? Of course not. Never gave a shit about that. He probably had it done to his own kid if he even has one. He cares about the two or three hundred or so 15, 16, and 17-year-olds in 2022 who had top surgery. That's what he cares about. Doesn't care about beauty pageants. Doesn't care about circumcisions. Doesn't care about nose jobs on children. He cares about the two or three hundred technical minors, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, who got top surgery. Simply... Disgusting. This is where hate brings you. For real. Some mistaken rulings by the Supreme Court. Child mutilation will be a capital offense. And those who commit it will receive the death penalty without exception. So, again, I think he means he wants to give the death penalty out like it's candy. This guy needs help, dude. I'm telling you. If that's not crazy enough, here's 
another video, a recent one, late August 2023, with none other than Candace Taylor. I've talked about Candace Taylor a lot on this channel. She, dude, she's just, I don't even know what to say about Candace Taylor, man. She, it, she has problems. She ran for office. She ran for governor against Brian Kemp and got like 1% of the vote or something and then started crying about election fraud. Yeah, Republicans are doing election fraud against you, Candace, in the primaries, definitely. Anyways, she gets on there and talks to Stu Peters. Listen to what uh, they had to say to each other. I'm so tired of talking about it. It's time that we do something about it. And what that something looks like, I'm not sure. But I do know that there was a precedent, again, set by the people who liberated this country by making tremendous sacrifices, including their own blood and guts spilled all over the ground, all over the dirt while they left their families home, not knowing what would happen should the enemy have come across a village or a town or a settlement where their families were, where their children were, with their wives. So walking into this conversation, he says, I don't know what this looks like, but what I do know is that the Founding Fathers sacrificed their lives for the country. And we haven't gotten there yet, but he's about to say, you need to do the same thing. That's the, Im that's the implication. You need to do the same thing. You need to sacrifice your life. Do something psychotic for the movement, for the Trump movement. Be a domestic terrorist. You know, CPAC, a uh, conservative political action conference, CPAC, it's a conference that happens, I think, once a year or once every four years or something like that. I don't know if you guys remember this, but a little while back at the a previous CPAC, it wasn't the last one or maybe even the one before that. I'm not sure. But at, at a recent one, they had this banner up at the conference. We are all domestic terrorists. This is real. They really had this at CPAC dead serious at a previous one they had a nazi rune it, it, the, the stage was in the shape of a nazi rune now you know what okay i i guess i can forgive it i didn't know that was a nazi rune i didn't know it was used by the nazi party whatever but you know when you see things like banners that say we are all domestic terrorists you start to wonder if you should give them the benefit of the doubt at this stuff this is the kind of thing that Stu Peters stands for. This is the kind of thing he has always stood for. He is giving you instructions right now. ...where their families were, where their children were, with their wives, trying to survive, trying to defeat a monarchy that had them outgunned and outnumbered and was outmaneuvering them tactically. I do know that there is a heart and a soul and a heartbeat of this country that was founded under God by Christians who made those sacrifices. And until we prove that we are ready to make sacrifices of equal proportion, we should not consider ourselves to be entitled to inherit the country that they liberated. So he's saying, in pretty clear language, people... We're domestic terrorists, and we need to be domestic terrorists. I don't know how else to interpret that. Candace Taylor. Yeah, so apparently Candace Taylor agrees with that. Wow, that, that was very abrupt. I agree. Candace Taylor. I agree. God, she's terrible, dude. She's, uh, I, if you don't know Candace Taylor, this will give you a little chuckle at the end. She's the why lady. 
she questioned the uh, the Globehead's official narrative on the Flat Earth not too long ago and said she's kind of offended that people have globes all over the place. Big Globe is trying to trick everybody. Why? Why are there globes everywhere? Why? Or you buy a globe, there's globes everywhere, every movie, every TV show, news media, why? Why? Anyway, that's Candace Taylor. And now we've got a agree. Candace Taylor. <laughs> Just God, dude. You gotta love it. The point here is these two people are not the sharpest crayons in the box, obviously. But this is a prime example of where hate brings you. For real. This is where hate brings you. There is no room for hate in our movement. None. Okay? It is not welcome because you end up like this right here. You end up with banners like this at your conferences. We are all domestic terrorists. This is where hate brings you. Seriously. Keep it in mind. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. That's all I've got for you. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check me out on Patreon. And take a look at my YouTube channels. Owen Morgan, where I talk about religious issues. Telltale Fireside Chat, where I talk about politics. Telltale Unfiltered, where I do long-form breakdowns of stuff like this. And Telltale Reads, where I read books by televangelists and others. I release everything in parts, but every part stands independently of the last. So you can jump in anywhere and I'll make sure it makes sense. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of all my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything. All links are in the description. Okay, thanks for watching, guys.